Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert, and I am here today with my most excellent and post-Cedars-Sinai Hospital co-host, Dr. Millicent Ravello. How are you, Dr. Ravello? I am feeling most excellent. Thank you, Dr. Jay. Thank you. And you just, we both just left Cedars-Sinai Hospital, which was a relief. Yes, we had to do an insurance case at Cedars-Sinai Hospital, and so we did a quick little breast case and then ran over here to do this podcast, which is very appropriately about breasts. So we did a breast reduction at Cedars because it was an insurance case, but today we are talking about breast lifts, otherwise known as a mastopexy. That's the fancy plastic surgeon word for a breast lift. And people sometimes ask, with a breast reduction, will I also get a lift? Yes. And that is kind of part of the deal, of course. Kind of part of the deal, and it's a very reasonable question. It I is. still always chuckle when I get it because there's really no way of doing a breast reduction without the lift. That's part and parcel in how the design is done. But it is a good question. Yes, you do get a lift in addition to the reduction. We do not keep your nipples pointing at the floor. That would just be rude. Right. So a uh- a mastopexy or a breast lift is basically a breast reduction without the reduction part. Right. That's, that's basically what it is. And I always make the point that a breast lift is a bit of a misnomer because usually what I get is a patient coming in who sometimes they're younger and they just have really stretchy skin. And from the time they started developing breasts, they sat low, their nipples were very low or pointing at the floor. Or they've had some children, they've gained weight, lost weight, their breasts have stretched out over time, they've used them, and now they're deflated and also pointing towards the floor. So these patients come in and they push their breast all the way up to their tonsils and they say, I want a breast lift. Right. Like, don't we all? That looks great. But we don't really have a surgery on its own that does that. No, and we don't have a magic wand either. So there's a way that these things get done. And and pretty much I think people need to understand with a breast lift that there's going to be some skin maneuvering and some breast mound maneuvering that's going to put the breast mound up high. And then the skin needs to be folded and reduced around the breast mound in some way, shape, or form. And there's lots of way that we lots of ways that we accomplish that depending on the severity of the breast ptosis, big word, spelled with a P and then a T. So it's P-T-O-S-I-S. And we use that term a lot too. And you'll see that anytime you're reading about mastopex, you'll see the word ptosis, which just means drooping. Yeah. It's just a fancy word to say that your that your nipples and or your breasts are hanging lower than they should. And so let's define that term a little bit and then talk about what the options are for addressing it. So when we're talking about ptosis, you can have no ptosis. That's a breast where the nipple and the areola are sitting smack dab in the middle of the breast, and everything on the breast is above the fold. So the fold being that line or that crease below the breast, that inframammary fold. Breast tissue and nipples are sitting above it. So this is back in the old school days when they used to say, can you put a pencil under your breast and hold it there? The pencil test. Yeah, then your breasts are sagging. If you can't hold a pencil there, they're pretty perky. So that's no ptosis. Grade one ptosis means that the nipples are sitting at about the level of the fold. And sometimes it can be a little bit um, deceiving because if the actual skin and breast 
is also sitting below the fold, it can look like the nipple is smack dab in the middle of the breast because the whole thing has dropped. But really, that nipple is at the fold, and that's grade one ptosis. Grade two, the nipples are below the fold. Grade three, they're actually pointing towards the fold or towards the floor. And then pseudotosis is where the nipples are more or less in good position, but the actual breasts and the skin are hanging low. Yeah, the gland itself is hanging down hanging. under the fold. So depending on how severe the uh, sagging is, the ptosis, you can design an operation for the lifting that needs to be done. And it just depends on how severe it is and you know whether or not you're going to do this as just a mastopexy, which we do a lot, where you just lift the gland or if you're going to include a an implant or fat grafting. But today, I think we're just going to talk about the types of uh, methods to lift the breast without any of those without things. Without any of those things. Um, so the, when, you, when you come in for a breast lift, there's really no good way around the scars. You have to put scars on the breast. There's no other way to lift them. And there are a couple of different patterns or variety of scar patterns that you can have. Um, from its most basic, what's called the periareolar lift, and that's an incision that just goes around the areola. It's really not used for a classic mastopexy. It's used sometimes in combination with an implant where you just need a little bit of a lift and then the implant's filling out the rest of the skin. But if you're not putting in an implant and you're coming in for a breast lift, a periareolar incision is not going to do the job for you. Usually you need a little bit more skin removed than that. And that's what this is it. That's what this is. The incisions are done in a way that removes skin to lift the nipple up. That is why we have to make these incisions because skin has to be removed. There's no other way to move that nipple and areola up on the breast without taking out some skin. So that's why you need the incisions. Yeah. And and people are, you know, they're on the fence about this operation because of those scars. It's like you're now going to have the vertical incision down the front of the Oh, we haven't gone to that yet. Well, all right. Well, we're going to – Jumping ahead. Well, you know, this is where if you want to lift the nipple, you're going to need that vertical component. Right. So there, Okay, you so, go. Go okay. next. So that's the periareolar. The next one is the vertical, which is yes. what you are referencing. I was getting to the, the lollipop. The as lollipop. Said. Oh, do I need a lollipop lift? It sounds so tasty, so but cute. you know what? It's, uh, it's still a scar down the front of the breast. And so even though it sounds really delicious and tasty and all those sort of things, and it's cute and it's a lollipop – it's a scar, and that that's where I get a lot of pushback on mastopexy. It's like, oh, do I have to have the scar down the front of my breast? I was like, so this is a scar that goes all the way around the areola and down the center of the breast in that 6 o'clock position, vertically oriented, like a lollipop. Looks like a lollipop. And, and you can do this depending on the degree of ptosis and how much skin needs to come out in the direction basically below the nipple areolar complex and to the inframammary fold. If you need a lot more skin out, then maybe the lollipop won't be enough. And we'll talk about that when we go to the wise pattern and the anchor scar. But for the lollipop, if it's just a little bit of lifting that needs to get done to get the areola, maybe three, four, five, six centimeters, then the lollipop scar is, is great. worthy. It yeah. works great. There's uh, you know, it, it's, it is the scar down the front. Depending on your skin type, these tend to heal very well. But obviously with darker skin tones, you can get some hyperpigmentation. Um, you can get a keloid with any of these operations. I've seen just awful keloids on some patients. And, and it doesn't have to be that you're dark-skinned or Asian. It can be, you know, just anybody. It yeah. can be, you know, Hispanic people, white people, whatever. I mean, it's just it, – it knows no boundaries, the the unfortunate keloid 
scar formations, but they are pretty rare. And they are pretty rare, and they usually are. I don't see them in the vertical. I'll see them around the areola yes. for sure, and I'll see them in the lower lower incisions. But I don't typically see, for whatever reason, keloids in that vertical midline. Thank goodness. And they're rare. And they're even when they happen, yeah, they're pretty rare, even in in darker skinned individuals. But that that's the lollipop, and you need that because if you're coming in for a breast lift, it's because. You have noticed that you are sagging, which means that there is extra skin, and the only way to get that extra skin out is to put that incision down the middle and take out extra skin and narrow the breast and get rid of the extra skin. Now, if you really have a decent amount of extra skin, the nipples are sitting really low, then you need what's called an anchor pattern or a wise uh, pattern incision, and that is the same deal all around the areola, down the center like the lollipop, and then in a additional horizontal incision that goes in the inframammary fold that creates under the breast. And so it looks like an anchor pattern when it's all said and done. And I don't really get too hung up on that one because no one sees that incision. It's hidden under the breast. You literally don't see it when you're standing up or looking at it. And so the only thing you're still going to see when you look in the mirror is the one that goes around and down, just like the lollipop. But if you need that extension, you need that extension. And if you don't do it, you're going to have a really funny-looking shaped, really funny-looking breast, and that's not what you want. You want a cute, perky breast. So if your surgeon's telling you that you need this incision or you need this pattern, trust them. They know what they're talking about. They're not going to put scars on you just for fun. They don't get paid extra to put more scars on you. If they're telling you that you need a certain scar, it's because you need that scar to make the breast look good. Yeah, and that that really, if you think about it, the way that you know, if you imagine that this there's this sagging breast in front of you, you can take the nipple itself and put it up in the right position and everything around, you know, underneath that that lifting of the nipple areolar complex needs to be folded together and, and the skin has to be taken out. So it's extra. It doesn't belong there. It, it's just like, you know, it's a it's tailor tacking. It's you yeah. know, putting this, you know, in the right if you know, your seamstress could probably design this pattern because there's only really a couple ways that this gets done. Uh, and, you know, I think people just have to come to grips with the fact that if you want to have perky, beautiful, youthful breasts, the scars come with the territory. And and I have had many, many uh, patients tell me afterwards, you know, the scars just, they aren't that bad. They don't really, yeah. they're like, I'm over it. And, and they're always worried, well, my partner, you know, et cetera. You know, if the breasts look beautiful, they're going to be okay with those scars. Happy to be there. They're not looking at them. I no, promise you. They're, <laughs> they're not. They're, they just want the, the happy, t- perky breasts. Want a town on that lollipop. They don't care. Like, it, right. they're, they're fine. Um, Last but not least, the free nipple graft. Oh, but yeah, that's not really a mastopexy thing, though. I mean, I guess it could be if a ma- in a massive weight loss patient, but a free nipple graft is when the nipple is so far from the chest wall that it's not going to survive if you lift it in a you traditional fashion. So you have to remove it as a skin graft and then put it into the proper position. I really only do that with breast reductions. Um, I have not had a case for a mastopexy where I needed to do a free nipple graft. Well, and I want to mention that because everybody always says, oh, you're going to take my nipples off and put them back on? We don't. We actually leave the nipple areolar complex attached to a mound of breast tissue that we rotate into the the new position in that either keyhole pattern or the wise pattern 
So in general, we don't take the nipples off. No, they're they're attached to. They just they travel. So we release them from the skin that they're attached right. to. But we leave them attached at the base of the breast, and then we rotate them into where they should be, and then close the new skin around them. So no, we're not actually taking them off. They're still very much attached to you, and that's where they're getting their blood supply from. But when what we're talking about here in all these incisions, we're talking really about lifting and moving the nipple areolar complex. We have not talked about actually lifting any breast tissue. Now, with this procedure and moving the nipple around, breast tissue does get moved and sort of pushed up, but we can't actually take your breast tissue and move it to a new location higher on your chest. That would be an implant. So if you're trying to get volume way up by your clavicle, that's not a mastopexy. A mastopexy is going to lift your nipple up, it's going to give you a youthful, perkier breast, but it's still going to be a very natural-shaped breast. Now, there are things we can do. We can talk about later, implants, fat grafting, to give you some fullness up top in the top part of your breast. But a classic breast has some scoopiness at the top of the breast and then a fuller, kind of a teardrop-looking shape on the bottom. Yeah. That, that being said, there are some tricks you can do to actually move the breast up. A little bit. What do you do for that? Because I was going to say, because you said you can't move the breast, but I do something for that. So what do you do? <laughs> so typically in these patients, a lot of times the actual fold itself, the, the IMF that we keep talking about, has weakened or has dropped a little bit on the chest wall. So I very frequently lift the IMF as well. So I'll do that with some sutures. I'll kind of release it, put some sutures through it, and then tack it to a new spot on the chest wall, and that will actually sort of lift the breast footprint a little bit on the breast. Um, So that's one option. And then um, we talked about earlier putting some mesh in. We can get to that later. I'll put like a a mesh, that's the best way to put it. It's um, a device that you can put inside the breast, kind of like an internal bra. It sticks around for six months and then it dissolves on its own. But as it dissolves, it leaves behind stronger tissue to give it some more internal support, like a bra. Yeah, I mean, uh, those are all good. I, I think raising the fold is key. I also will undermine the uh, the superior aspect of the gland. And when I bring my pedicle up, I'll kind of tuck it, tuck yeah, it and do yeah. a little, little auto-augmentation, yeah. which looks great initially, and then it goes away. And then it falls again, unless you use the mesh. <laughs> unless, unless maybe you, you can mesh. maybe you can put the mesh there, and then then that auto aug won't fall as much. Yeah, I mean, th- this is the thing. People come, oh, I really want natural breasts. I was like, have you seen natural <laughs> breasts? Because I'm not sure that's what you're talking about. I think you want to have like something that looks naturally augmented, and so that's why we use implants and fat grafting fairly frequently with these operations. Um, but you know, you want you want to make beautiful breasts, and some people just want to have the mastopexy. Yeah. Just lift them up, and it's great. And they don't want the hassle of having a, a, a breast implant uh, in, in conjunction with their lift, which I get. But I think knowing all the options are really important. And looking at the before and afters on the website, that's always the key. Right. Understanding that you want somebody who does a lot of these. I, I do more of this than I do of – I mean, God forbid I do a primary breast augmentation. <laughs> I mean, God forbid. It is like everything for me is a mommy makeover, a, an exchange, a redo, a – a lift and, and an implant or change the implant, do the lift, add some fat, which is great. I'm, I love rejuvenating breasts, but it's a much more – they're much more complex operations right. and you need somebody who does a lot of them to do that. As right. you, I mean, some of the things you do are just they're, – 
they're just you know feats of of great bravery. That's all I can tell you. I don't know where I you know. I'm on. I'm on a one I, woman I crusade against are. gravity. You are. It's a, It's just amazing. So I I give you a lot of credit. Uh, and uh, and and you do beautiful work. And we just did an amazing reduction, which was gorgeous. And and she's gonna love it. And the, I think you know the the key for me in this mastopexy world is the superior medial pedicle. I think it, it just makes a, a difference leaving the breast tissue that's up high. And it, when you're taking things out and reducing or pushing them up, everything from the inferior part, I think is the, is the problem child that needs to go and keep the, the stuff that makes the breast beautiful up top. Up top. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's pretty, that's fairly routine for mastopexies. I don't know that we need to necessarily get into all the different kinds of pedicles. No, that's very academic for, for our listeners, but, um, yeah, let me look at the befores and afters, and if you like what you see, then just trust whatever technique that surgeon does. I do want to touch briefly, because we've said this a few times now, about fat grafting, um, because I think that more and more a larger, if not majority of my patients with mastopexies are getting fat grafting, because it just makes such a better looking breast, and it's so much, it's, it's for patients that don't want an implant, it's the best option, and it Gives them a perkier, fuller, more rounder breast. Unless you're putting a ton of fat in the breast, you're not really changing the size of the breast. So it's not like you're increasing it by a couple cup sizes. You're just giving it some volume and fullness up top where it's usually missing. And so it's like we're already there. We're already working on the breast. Like Let's just add the fat. You'll get some liposuction out of it as well. So fat grafting is basically that. It's doing liposuction, harvesting fat, your own fat through liposuction techniques washing it, and then just putting it right back into the breast where you want it. And it looks really good in the beginning. And everyone's like, oh, my gosh, I love these breasts. And then a few months later, everything sort of the swelling comes down. And they're like, well, they're better and they're pretty and I like them. You know, but if they really, really like it in the beginning, maybe they should have gotten an implant because that's what the implant would have looked like. But for the most part, if they don't want implants, they're very happy with the option of fat grafting. Yeah, I, I agree. I love the fat grafting. And I, you can do it simultaneously. I, I always kind of read the riot act a little bit is that the blood supply to the to the nipple areola or complex is where I'm going to be putting this fat. Now, that hasn't been a problem, but it, I think it is a risk. And so it's probably better to stage it. But, you know, depending on how much fat you're thinking and, and you know, sort of what the patient's life is like, if they understand that it may be a little bit risky, it hasn't been. I've had, I haven't had a problem. Yeah, I haven't but I, by, by envision that it could be. You know, I'm, I'm right. a safety first guy, so I just uh, I think that you know you have to kind of consider that when doing simultaneous fat grafting with the lift. I think it's definitely something to consider, um, but I think it's pretty hard to stick that pedicle. And usually, if you're doing a superior yeah. medial, medial, you have two blood vessels coming. And if you haven't really elevated it too much, you may even have an inferior one or a central one coming up from the bottom. So yes, it's a theoretical risk, but I don't know that it translates clinically. And most patients don't want to come back for a second procedure if they're already there. Yeah. And I I did actually do like a lit search on this. I didn't find anything. So I think it's safe, but I, I... You know, we we published on doing rib grafts out of you know breast surgery pockets to just because we wanted to show that it's safe. And so I think that's the other thing when you're when you're kind of looking at getting this stuff done and you're listening to the the surgeon who's telling you what they want to do for you, like kind of you know consider just the the safety aspects of it too. A lot of people would say you know if you're going to do a mastopexy that you know waiting to put the implant in is you know probably safer. Well, that may be the yeah. case, but. 
boy, the, we have such a, a you know a minimal uh, risk with doing implants with mastopexies that, and I think Grant Stevens published like twelve hundred cases or something. Right. You know, it's like a crazy number. I I don't know exactly. Don't quote me, but um, so we know the safety's there. Right. Everything has risk, but there is a risk benefit profile to one surgery, one recovery. And speaking of recovery, so if you're just doing a straight mastopexy, recovery is pretty minimal. I mean, these are really just skin incisions for the most part. We're not doing deep muscle work. We're not putting implants in. It's really just some skin incisions. So for the most part, patients tolerate it really well. Now, if I'm doing stuff with the IMF and raising it and putting sutures down to the chest wall, yeah, they feel that for a bit, like for a few weeks to a month or two. I'm like, and you're welcome, so stop complaining because you're going <laughs> to love it. That's right. <laughs> but they do. They come, oh, just, it's really sore on my, by my ribs. Why does that hurt? Well, those are those sutures down to your ribs. And we're, we're defying gravity. You're welcome. <laughs> and, but they do, and then they're like, oh, I love it. So there may be some discomfort, but it's not pain painful. No. And if you have a desk job, remote work, you can be back to work even a couple days, but probably a week. No heavy lifting, no working out for about four to six weeks. But it's a really well-tolerated surgery. Pain complications or pain issues are pretty minimal. If you're doing fat grafting, there's going to be donor sites from where you have the liposuction done. Those can be sore for a little bit. But even then, it's sore. It's not painful, painful, painful. Risks of the surgery, scarring like we talked about. How you scar is very dependent on your body. Um, in general, these scar pretty well. I say give it a year, and they'll start to fade pretty nicely by a year. Um, and, and we have every scar therapy, every known, scar therapy. known to mankind. Lasers, <laughs> V-beams, silicone, microneedling. We can do it. We got you. Like, we have scar options. Um, sensation changes. Most people have decreased sensation. Some people can have increased. They can get hypersensitivity. That usually lasts for a few months. But sometimes a decreased sensation can be long-term, and that's to the skin of the breast and to the nipples as well. And then the big concern is always blood loss to the nipple itself. From a straight mastopexy, I can't say I've ever lost a nipple or an areola. Every once in a while, little patchy areas of it won't survive. And when that happens, it sort of scabs and then heals from underneath like a new wound would. But in general, I would say pretty high satisfaction case. Yeah. I mean, I people. think people I, – I think the biggest failure of mastopexy is that they are like, I should have put an implant. <laughs> yeah. But, you, but they say that, but they also say – They're happy. They're happy they don't have it. They didn't it. want an implant. That's right. They didn't want it. And they so. recognize that. Yeah. And so I, I – if you, as long as you have the expectations and you don't have a patient coming in, pushing their you know, breast up to their tonsils and saying, I want this, as long as you can adjust the expectations, show them what they can expect, then I would say in general it is a pretty high satisfaction procedure. And it lasts. Those breasts will they never do. go back no. to how they were before. They may fall a little bit over time with gravity, but they're still going to be better looking than your friend that didn't have it done for sure. That is true. Uh, they, they stay up. And, you know, that's, that's a real bonus because it's like if you don't have to redo that operation, you know, sort of throughout the rest of your life, it's great. Great. That's great. Cool. Well, I think we hit all the highlights. Anything else, Dr. Ravello? Anything else you want to add to this? Nope. I think that's it. Well, then this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. If you like what you heard on the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast and want to get in touch with either Dr. Ravello or myself, 
This is how to do it. You can reach me at the website, ravelloplasticsurgery.com. You can reach out to the office directly through the website with any questions or consult requests, or you can call the office directly at 310-954-1355. And you can reach me on Instagram at ravelloplasticsurgery. And to reach me, the phone number is 310-777-8800. My website is drcalvert.com, drcalvert.com. Instagram, Dr. J. Calvert. And of course, you may want to check out our YouTube channel for the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, which is simply that, Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Hope to see you all in the office very soon. Bye.